Happy Hump Day. Welcome back to the Podcast Daily. The only way to celebrate a woody Wednesday morning is with stonks. That's Bill Landis, Jeremy Birmingham. I am Austin Ward. All right. I want to push it because you and I did this last week. We were mainly looking at September, right? Yes. Let's future invest. October surprise, October under the radar, October diamond in the rough stonks. Doesn't have to just be Saturday against the most dangerous Maryland Terrapins team that's ever been concocted in the history of college football. Doesn't have to be focused on that. It can be if you want, but let's let's go big picture. You're really racking your brain, so Berm's going first. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> stock up on Austin saying something about Mike Loxley that will be entirely inappropriate and negative. <laughs> Take that one to the bank. I'll, um, I'll buy some of that. Yeah. Uh, what? Inappropriate by saying... That he's concocted the greatest Maryland team in the no, history of college football? I think some people know that you think he's the worst college football mm-hmm. coach in the country. Uh-huh. Um, but I don't think everyone knows. Oh. And so I'd like, Mike Loxley, if you're watching this right now, if by some chance you pull this off on Saturday, find him. Find Austin I'll J. be Ward. the first one out there. I'll go out there and I'll say, hey, congrats. I am so sorry. I won't say sorry, but right. I will say congratulations and you proved me wrong. Okay. Because I'm not sorry. I've watched him also put up, come in here and give up 70 points to Ohio State. Uh, he's played two good games against the Buckeyes, both in College Park. One, because he wasn't head coach in 2018. That's all right. Matt Canada, great job on that one, right? Is that yeah. interim coach situation? I don't. Who cares? And what happened to his offense since? Yeesh. Um, let's see. Hey, they're five and zero. It doesn't matter that they did it against the 133rd ranked schedule in the country. You win who you win. Like you play the team in front of you. And congratulations to the Ter- Terrapins. Congratulations to September Heisman Trophy candidate, Talia Tongovailoa. I'm very impressed with you all. Like it's awesome. I needed this filibuster because I had to think of something. I, underst- <laughs> I understand the assignment um, and I took it. All right. Uh, <laughs> let's go. It is someone that we talked about a lot in the preseason, uh, but he has been unfortunately hurt. And I think there is a, a moment coming and a opportunity for Joe Royer to still be an important part of this offense for Ohio State. Uh, I know that G. Scott has played very well. Uh, I know that Cade Stover has played extremely well, but he's a guy that has played so physical that you you have to wonder slash worry, like how much does his body take before he needs a little bit of a, a slowdown? Um, and, and maybe they get that for him at the last, you know, middle of October uh, with Purdue. And then yeah, I, I think that Joe Royer is a guy that I think will still have a moment for Ohio State. And I'm counting on him to be healthy and productive for, for the Buckeyes offense moving forward. I'm going to take a similar tact to that. And, and maybe it's speaking it into existence or wishful thinking. But it seems clear that Ohio State knows Caden Curry needs to be on the field. I don't, I'm not buying stock on him playing fullback and being an offensive weapon. I don't, I don't think that's a solution. But His knees are not thick enough to play fullback. He needs more girth to play fullback. There's no question about that. But he doesn't need it to play as a pass-rushing threat on second or third down. He can play inside. He can, he can do that three-technique stuff. He can go on the outside. And I think that when you look at the totality of what happened at Notre Dame, and again, we argue, we not an argument, we've, we've tried to decipher how much the issue is real or not real with the pass rush. My personal feeling, and I assume that there are people in this building who agree, is that Jack and JT are doing a lot of similar things. And Kenyatta and Caden, Kenyatta Jackson and Caden Curry are a little bit different weapons when it comes to the pass rush skills specifically. And I'm not, it's not a knock on Jack and JT because they both do things at a pretty high clip, but it is not just like pure nonstop motor aggression to the quarterback. And it could be either one. I'm just going to, 
I'm just going to pick up these stocks specifically on Caden Curry. It may well be Kenyatta by the end of October, but for all of the time that I've spent talking about rotation, they cannot, I don't think, rely solely on Jack and JT to, to supply stuff at end. And one of the others is going to have to be a bigger part of the plan I by like, the end of the month. Yeah, I like the radical idea of letting Caden Curry play in the other team's offensive backfield instead of your own <laughs> offensive backfield. I think that's a smart way of, of doing business. Uh, I want to I want to look at the receivers, and I think I might buy a little bit of stock in Carnell Tate. Uh, Ryan Day was Carnell. asked the Colonel. Ryan Day was asked on Tuesday about uh, redshirting players and how those conversations have gone in the world where there's like fewer plays, fewer possessions. The games have been a little bit closer. There are three players that have already played four games. Carnell Tate is one of them. The other two are Brandon Ennis, which has mostly been special teams, I think, and Luke Montgomery, who's gotten some time as that jumbo offensive lineman, has also appeared in four games. I, of those three, I do feel like Carnell Tate is perhaps building toward a little something, a, a larger role within the offense, um, especially in a world where Marvin is not going to stop getting the attention he's been getting. Emeka Abuka is playing really well in the slot and taking advantage of some of that. But I think you want somebody else on the outside to threaten teams. And certainly that can be Julian Fleming, who I think has played well this year and has probably not been talked about as much as he should be for how well he's playing. But I think Carnell Tate might give you a little bit of a different element if you if you give him some of those snaps on the outside. I'm not saying like bench Julian and play Carnell, but we've seen true freshmen get a larger workload, especially at receiver as a season has gone along, and, and I think that could be out there for Carnell Tate. So I would like to scoop up a little bit of stock in him if I could. Scoop. scoop a doop I'm going to go back to the defensive line. Uh, I think that we are all waiting for like that Michael Hall game, you yeah. know, that, that breakout uh, mm-hmm. for a kid that is as talented as anyone in the building, uh, especially on the, the defensive tackle position. We saw just a glimpse of it a year ago against Notre Dame. He's healthy. He's playing a lot of snaps. I, I think that he's close to that moment happening. And if I'm gonna like really drill down into the future casting world here, I think he's gonna have a monstrous game against Penn State. And so I, I if this is an October stock mm-hmm. future, uh, it's it's Michael Hall getting back to what people now that he's healthy, he's getting into the rhythm of the game and the reps, and I think he's gonna make some some plays. So Michael Hall is to the moon. Michael Hall to the moon. Because this is a kid who wants to be an NFL draft pick next year, okay? So if you want that to happen, you're going to need to elevate your game a little bit. It's not a situation where a six foot three, two hundred eighty-five guy, two hundred eighty-five pound guy, is just going to show up in next, you know, next April at Ohio State's pro day, and NFL scouts are going to be, "Ooh, look at that!" If he doesn't have something on tape, so Mm -hmm. it's time to put it on tape. Yeah, that's a good one. It is on tape, but it is from last year, and they wonder, well, where's that production? Why did it dip? Time to do. Uh, Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, I think. This is not new, and I mentioned it in August, and it came to fruition a little bit. The stock is up, and I would still buy more, and that's Chip Trainum. And the reason that I bring it up, like, we got a number of questions uh, from tech subscribers and at OhioState.Rivals.com. It's like, well, what's going on with Mayan? Like, how is this? Is he banged up? He did have an injury in training camp, but he's been available, and he's played in every single game. So it, it does appear to be more of a coach's decision, and I think between the two of them, Chip Trainum is giving Ohio State more. There's more versatility. There's more flexibility. There's more ways that they can expand the entire offense without having to sub if he's on the field. There's some. We've seen a little bit of the package with both of them out there at the same time, which is pretty cool and a, and a lot of beef coming at you uh, in short yardage. But I, I don't necessarily think that that's the solution, especially where Ohio State has kind of telegraphed some things when they get to third and one or fourth and one. 
I think you put Chip out there in some of these situations. He can be used out of the backfield and block if you need to. The, some of the, you know, Spider 2 Y banana is, is getting blown up and that's not yep. working. But he's also shown that burst and that speed that made Ohio State put him back there as a kickoff returner. Uh, he's hit a big one already, a 40-yard touchdown run. And so it's more to me that's not even about Chip and mine. I think that Chip will continue to take some carries and touches away from Travion and make that closer to 50-50, probably not going to be exactly even, maybe 60-40. We'll see as that transpires. But I think that that's going to keep going up because they're only gaining confidence in what he can do uh, and the variety of ways he can be used. I mean, they put the ball in his hands in the biggest spot of the season, right? I think that tells you all you need to know about what they think of him and his ability to help this offense. I think that's a good one. Um, I think we are perhaps on the precipice of a couple of big, like, Jordan Hancock games um, with Maryland as much as they want to throw the ball. Maybe Purdue the week after that. Um, and then I think Penn State, too. Penn State might be more of a blend of Sonny and Jordan because Penn State does like to play with two tight ends at times. But um, I like a lot what I've seen out of Jordan Hancock playing the nickel safety position. He seems to get more and, com- more and more comfortable every week. I think he's going to get challenged more, especially his teams seem reticent to do so against Denzel Burke on his side of the field. Mm-hmm. A lot of action is going to be going towards Jordan Hancock and Davis and Nick Minosin. I think both those guys thus far have responded to it, but stiffer challenges are coming. And I, I, I do like Jordan's makeup there as a guy who can cover really well, who's not afraid to mix it up in the run game, is physical. Like he hits guys really hard. Like the, the, fumble that he caused against Blue Smith against Western Kentucky was one of the more jarring hits I've seen an Ohio State defensive back deliver um, over the last few years. Um, and they're all kind of playing that way. It's contagious. Yeah. That led to Denzel Burke. Yeah, the they're, all, they're all kind of flying around, which is great to see. But um, I think there's more to get into with Jordan Hancock, especially as like we talk about what Jim Knoll's going to do with some of his pressures. Like I think he likes to send that position, that nickel corner, when he can. Um, I don't think they've done it yet with Jordan Hancock, but I think he's a guy who can deliver if they want to do that. So I think his trajectory is, is still pointing upward, and they're going to be competing in some games now, some matchups where I think he's going to be more important. I actually think uh, this is not my my final choice for this, but I, I, I'm interested in the running back conversation a lot heading into the next six weeks or so. As the weather gets colder, games get a little bit more physical, guys get banged up a little bit more. Mine Williams, I, I think what happened in the preseason is that he got banged up and then didn't really stay in shape and has been able to, has been falling behind a little bit physically, um, where Chip and Travion seem to be all into that. I'm still wondering if there's a moment for Dallin Hayden in the season because he has not played at, he's played one snap yep. or one series uh, in the first four games. Like, is this a kid who you're holding on to for? October and November in the event of injuries and you're, that the plan is to redshirt him. We haven't got specifics on that, but I think that that's sort of how that's trending. Um, so it's just an interesting conversation because you do have still five running backs and you're only playing two, which who knows? We were taking all, all preseason. How do you get these guys the ball? And then the answer is you don't. Uh, <laughs> you just play two of them. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to take, the, mo- how it works out anyway. take the most obvious stock in the world as just get ready for that guy back there, Marvin Harrison Jr., as Kyle McCord gets more comfortable, as the Ohio State offense allows him to do more <clears> things like we talked about on Snap Judgments on Tuesday, as Marvin Harrison is able to get more one-on-one coverage because other receivers are going to step up and you have to find ways to, to scheme against Emeka Buka in the slot. And I think Marv is going to uh, begin his elevation and, and really put to bed any conversation about who the best receiver in the country is as Romeo Dunes and uh, other guys, Rome Dunes and the you know guys at Washington are playing well and people at USC are getting a lot of buzz. That's the best receiver in the country, and I think he's going to show it in the next month. He's pretty good. I think you're right about that. Thanks. 
I think because he's had kind of a quiet first month of the year. I mean, yeah, he, sure, he has two career longs and touchdowns. I get it, but like it, it hasn't been. He's not been the featured guy. For he has like State. 17 catches or something like that. Yeah, yeah. he's not been yeah. the featured guy for yeah. sure. Has not been. Mecca and Kate have done a lot of that work and a couple of good outings for Julian Fleming as well. So there will be more opportunities for him. You're, you're certainly right. I think about they're that, setting right? him up. Yeah, you know, for something big. Yeah. Slot marv. marvelous. Well, could be both of those things. You think uh, Gus Johnson will save Marvelous this week? There's no doubt. <laughs> Simply Marvelous. <laughs> the world famous. You're absolutely right, partner. I just wanted to get you guys to do your impression. <laughs> uh, oh, boy. Uh, the all-American girl, Jenny Tab. Anyway, let's get on with the show. I think Josh Simmons is going to take another step forward in October. I know that's a little bit of a, a bet. Uh, on the come, that's sort of the point of taking an October view. He's played and started four games. Ohio State hasn't thought enough poorly of his performance to be like, yep, well, that's not going to work. Let's get him out of there. Uh, I think that they still believe that the ceiling is very high for him. The pen- There's been a penalty, I believe, I'll have to double check, but I think he's been penalized in all four games. Uh, had, you know, Definitely false start. the last three. Last yeah. three. Yeah. And I think he had one against Indiana, a false start that didn't really raise any red flags. It was a hold. Was it, a, early, it was a hold. Early in that game. It was a hold. You're right. But there's been one in every game. So there are things that you can look at, and, and we have. Like the left side of the line, both Josh Simmons and Donovan Jackson have not, I don't think, played to their peak potential. But there's time to do that. And I think the ability and athleticism for both of them exists. He was learning a new position. He was doing it at a new school. Uh, didn't have the benefit of spring practice. Like, all these things are excuse making in, in some respects, but there is a, a growth process and a learning curve that players have to go through. I think he's got that capability. Um, what uh, is the metric that we have to see to to know that he's improved so that we can get you and Doug in a steel cage match? Well, I think once the offense starts uh, operating at a higher efficiency, like some of the stuff, some of the stuff that we're blaming on Josh Simmons or Donovan Jackson in the offensive line, I think is more scheme scheme related than inability for the Ohio State offensive line to execute. So if they start averaging 35, 40 points a game again, you're going to have to say, oh, well, that really must not have been the issue. Like they're not giving up a ton of sacks. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, are they running the ball as well as they want in short yardage? No, we, we've beaten that horse to death. But yeah, I think so. once... Once the rest of this stuff comes into peace, to place and Ryan Day is maybe dialing up more aggression with the passing attack and realizing that protection is not going to be an issue with those five guys, then there will be opportunity to say that's much better. I think that eliminating the penalties is going to be a big part of that. You can't take hold, holding penalties. You can't have hands to the face, uh, which is he got hit with that one too. So he's had he's run the gamut. He's committed every penalty that an offensive lineman can. So you do bingo. Have, you do have to commit. You know. Commit to that process and eliminate that. But, you take yeah. pressure off the offensive line if you throw the ball better, right? You take pressure off the offensive line in the run game if the passing threat is more consistent than earlier downs. Or if there's more variety in the rushing attack. Or if you... Yeah, more counter stuff. They're and, really good at that. And what Bill can yeah. speak about much more eloquently than I can, like deciding if they are better with some of these zone schemes or versus, you know, other... Like, I don't... I think there will be improvement because Ohio State is figuring out not just what Kyle McCord can do, but also what suits the offensive line best. And then that puts Josh Simmons in a better position to thrive. To answer your question about like what metric you use, I think it's just a Penn State game. Yeah. Because if 
if Penn State wins that game, I think it will be because Ohio State's offensive line was not ready for that challenge because that defensive front's pretty nasty. I think um, back to like 2016 and how Isaiah Prince just got absolutely destroyed against Penn State and Michigan, yeah. and Ohio State won both of those games, games somehow. Anyway. So, yeah. uh, no, they didn't. They didn't lose. They didn't win the Penn State game that year. So nah. that was the 2016 game. So was it? Wasn't that, it? That was in Happy Valley. That was the. Oh, that was 16. I was thinking it was 18. And like right. how one offensive lineman that's not doing his job can make the entire offense feel completely chaotic. Yeah. That's on the table still, I think, when they get to that game. It'll help that they're playing here and not and not in Happy Valley. My actual my my last stock was also on the offensive line. Because I think the right side's pretty good. Um, and has gotten better each week. And it's not just uh Doug and uh, Doug and I go back and forth on Josh Fryer. I'm not I'm not merely trying to further that agenda. I actually think he's played pretty well. Maybe Matt Jones maybe has been their best offensive lineman, but um I just think moving forward, they should either run it off the right side or run pin-pull plays where those two are coming around the other end and clocking some people because they look really comfortable doing that stuff too. I think they've been pretty good in pass protection. Um, so that's been a little bit of a bright spot for a group that's still clearly working through some things, but I think they're only going to continue to get better. Part of that might be because teams are going to keep attacking that left side until they show that they can do it. So maybe the right side is not getting tested as much. But um, I, I think in all this conversation about some of the offensive line struggles. I don't think we've maybe given enough credit to two guys who I think are playing pretty well and will continue to do so. All this talk about Penn State is missing the mark because the mighty Maryland Terrapins are coming to the horseshoe on Saturday at noon. Beat them. Two. They got a good defense. Two well, they, statistically, anyway, they've had a good defense so far this year. But they've, to Austin's point, they've played. And they've done it against an absolutely murderous schedule. Like, just a tribute to Maryland that they've been able to get to this point. I cannot wait. That's why Big Noon Kickoff is coming. Big noon start time in the horseshoe. Like it's Maryland week, and I just it, oh, there's just goosebumps everywhere when you get these two teams together. That's because it's going to be cold Saturday morning. Oh boy, Brim Cantori is here. It's going to be chilly. in the sixties. No, cool. high high of fifty five on Saturday. Any uh, you said fifty seven yesterday? Any going down. Oh no. Any precip on the no, forecast? It doesn't look like it. It's okay. going to be just a brisk uh, a brisk fall morn. Well, I feel like fall. Huh? <laughs> We're going to get our week of fall next week. A brisk fall morn. Can't wait! It'll be like 38 degrees when we roll into the stadium. It's going to be there's going to be frost on the field. That's that's mm. what you want for a Big Ten mm. matchup of this caliber. It is it is a matchup game. It's talent equated. It's record equated. It is going. I just I cannot wait for Saturday. Seventh straight opponent Ohio State will have played that's undefeated. Pretty wild. That's a silly stat, oh, yeah. but it is correct. It's fun because Indiana magically counts. Um, being zero and they zero. have been defeated since then. Yeah, they sure. Have. Well, <laughs> sure, <laughs> but that's not the point of the statistic. The odd statistic. Yeah, it is odd. Uh, so is the rest of the stock watch on the podcast daily. A Woody Wednesday. We got more coming. We'll have snap judgments later on after Ohio State's player availability. We got more Kings of Columbus. We got Buckeye Q. We got everything to get ready for this momentous Maryland matchup. That's Bill mm. and Berm. I am Austin. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you later.